Welcome this morning as you join us at Calvary Chapel Valdosta. Pastor Deshaun Van Cleve will resume delivering the word from the book of 1 Corinthians. And I want to say good morning to you and welcome to another Sunday, another opportunity uh, to see what God wants to do in our lives, another opportunity to be stirred up and encouraged uh, together. So if you would do this, turn over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will be studying this morning uh, from verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12 down to verse 11. I'm really looking forward to this study, uh, just as I was with last week, because it gives us an opportunity to traverse many different subjects and topics that are germane uh, to believers and that are needed and essential for our walks in Christ, especially as we meet together with one another. And 1 Corinthians is also one of those excellent passages that will remind us of, of what it means to be a Christian and the, ble the blessings and the benefits associated. So turn over there and stand with me that we might give honor to God's word. We're going to read down from verse 1 down to verse 11. It's important that we stand. It's even biblical. Nehemiah chapter 8 says that they all stood when Ezra opened the word of God to them. And, you know, he gave a measure of reverence and respect for God's word, which is missing in today's culture. It says there in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, even as you were led. Therefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God, which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these works that one and same Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. And Father, we come before you this morning praying and asking that you would allow your spirit to be present among us to teach us, to empower us to be able to put these teachings into practice. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. We need his ministry in our lives. We, we need his influence. We need his hand directing us, reminding us of what you said. And so, Lord, would you Allow this time that we have here not just be a natural time, but a spiritual time. Albeit a supernatural time, in which, Lord, we are engaging in the things of the Spirit. 
and understanding and comprehending all that you have for us. So help us to not leave this place the way that we came in. And help us to not be in this place, just a hearer. We want to be doers. We want to bless you. This is what we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The Carpenter's Tools held a conference. Brother Hammer presided. Several suggested that he leave the meeting because he was too noisy. Replied Hammer, if I have to leave this shop, Brother Screw must go also. You have to turn him around again and again to get him to accomplish anything. Brother Screw then spoke up. If you wish, I'll leave. But Brother Plain must leave too. All his work is on the surface. His efforts have no depth. To this, Brother Plain responded, Brother Rule will also have to withdraw, for he is always measuring folks as though he were the only one who is right. Brother Rule then complained against Brother Sandpaper. You ought to lead too, because you're so rough and always rubbing people the wrong way. This conference here, what a great play on words. This is found, this story was found in the book, 19 Gifts of the Spirit by Leslie Flynn, but it is a great uh, uh, example of believers coming together, yet with different functions, different bents, different giftings, different, different talents, and coming together, not able to dwell together in harmony and work together in unity. These tools all have major potential to do some amazing things in this shop, yet they couldn't get along. Again, this is where we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. That the writer here is trying to point out uh, to the Corinthian believers that they have much potential. In fact, they have been gifted in such marvelous ways by God. Yet, they were finding it very difficult to get along and they needed to overcome this. Difficulty to get along is oftentimes referred to as discord. It is an uh, inability to uh, make yourself compatible with a group and to function well within a body of people to accomplish a certain mission. These believers needed to overcome discord. This was one of the things that was plaguing the church here in Corinth. In fact, when we first started our study, all the way back in chapter 1, I mentioned four things that the believer in Corinth needed to overcome that I think that we also need to overcome. And these things, if we overcome them, will help us reach our full potential. In chapters 1, through chapter 4, they needed to overcome division. In chapters 5, all the way through 11, they needed to overcome depravity, just wickedness, and living carelessly, spiritually. And here, in chapter 12, through chapter 14, they need to overcome discord. They need to learn how to dwell together 
Lastly, we'll see in chapters 15 and 16 how they need to overcome doubt as well as it comes to doctrine. But here, as we now explore how to overcome discord, <coughs> excuse me, uh, we need to see first and foremost the importance of grasping, <laughs> excuse me, grasping the gifts. That's the title of our message this morning, Grasping the Gifts. <clears throat> the gifts that I'm referring to are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to know how to grasp them. This is an essential component to overcoming discord. It is understanding, comprehending, getting a handle on how God has equipped us, how God is equipping us for the work of the ministry. But we have to understand this. The carpenter's tools in that story they couldn't understand this. All they could see were their differences and how it separated them. They couldn't see the potential that would bond them. This is what was happening with the Corinthian church. They couldn't see that. And so in three ways, we can grasp the gifts effectively. Uh, the first way that we could grasp the gifts is having a spiritual balance. That is in verse 1 through 3. And he, he gives them a way uh, for them to check themselves to have balance as it comes to gifting and doing things for, for the Lord Jesus. Uh, the second way is found in verses 4 through 6. And it is having a, uh, a spiritual, understanding spiritual difference. So we have to understand the, the spiritual balance in verses 1 through 3. We need to understand the spiritual difference that we all possess the diversity if you will and then verse 7 through 11 we need to see that there's a spiritual preference and that is not uh, an individual preference or a personal preference but it is a spiritual preference meaning a preference of the holy spirit it's what he wants and if we can understand these things the spiritual balance spiritual difference spiritual preference it'll help us to get a better handle upon the gifts of the holy spirit and what it means for today. I hope also, as we study this section of Scripture, that you would be wondering within yourself how to discover what your gifting is. And then not only stop at the discovery, but how you can employ your gifting to benefit the body of Christ, to benefit this body, and, and, um, and praying for uh, what God wants to do. And so that's... That is my hope from this study. I'm pretty sure and I'm pretty certain that that was the hope of the writer as well. So let's look at verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. Now, you know that phrase there, I would not have you be ignorant, is actually mentioned three times by uh, the same writer, he mentions that phrase throughout the letters that he wrote to the churches. And I think these three topics where he says, I would not want you to be ignorant. That means to be without knowledge of a certain subject. These are the same subjects that plague our church today. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, he said, I would not have you be ignorant about Israel and their plan and God's plan of salvation for them and how they're all incorporated. So many Christians get it wrong about Israel. They say the church, modern-day church is Israel, which is incorrect. They say that 
there is no more Israel, and they're in the past, and that's incorrect as well. And so many people are ignorant of that, and the writer in Romans sought to uh, clear that up. It is also found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, around verse 13. Many are ignorant. He says, I would not have you to be ignorant about those who sleep, about those who die. Speaking of the resurrection, I would not have you to be ignorant about the afterlife. That's what he is saying, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Many are confused about the afterlife. They're unsure. The Bible gives us everything that is needed for that. As a Christian, we have something to look forward to. So he doesn't want us to be ignorant about that. And then here, with spiritual gifts, he says, I would not have you be ignorant about spiritual gifts. This is also important because some are without knowledge about how the body of Christ is to function and how God intends for it to function. And so others, they have in their mind an idea of how the body of Christ would function and they put together their philosophies and, 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 and as such and they build ministries upon these things. And sometimes they're, they're entirely wrong and inappropriate. And so we have to uh, come to the scripture to gain knowledge of these topics. But here, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. In some of your Bibles, the word gift might be italicized. And so what that is, uh, the reason for that, that marking, and the reason for why it's italicized is that uh, those interpreters of the original text, they, they inserted this word here. It's not like they were inserting a word to the word of God, but they put this in there so we can understand the context. So contextually, it is right that the word gift is here because that's what he's talking about. But the original language only contained one word for these two phrases, spiritual gifts. And that Greek word is pneumatikos, and that means he's speaking of the things that belong to the spirit. He says, I would, he says, now concerning the things that belong to the spirit, the hagias pneuma, the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. He says, concerning those things. And contextually, we're talking about gifts. Now, there are two words that we can find for the word gifts, and there's, there's many uh, derivatives of these, but there are two words that we can find for gifts, and specifically when we're talking about spiritual gifts as Christians. Uh, the first word is charisma, which speaks of a divine gift that God gives to us, charisma. Uh, charisma it would be the Greek uh, enunciation. Pronunciation would be charisma. Charisma we, is where we get our English word charisma. And when we speak of someone having charisma, we, we talk about they have a character and something that is exuding and infectious. Uh, but uh, charisma is the first word, and it's speaking of the divine gift, the gracious gift that he gives to us. And then the other word is doma, and that speaks of the character of the gift or the fabric. Now, the gift that we'll be talking about today is is charisma, and it is the divine gift. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's what God has put within us, how God is working with us. You see, spiritual gifts are none other than divine empowerments that have been licensed to us as Christians for divine accomplishments. So the giftings is, is not 
you receive something so you can spend it on yourself. Or you receive something so you can use it whenever you desire to use it. That's not how it works. He has gifted us, given us certain divine empowerments for divine accomplishments. They've been licensed to us. You know that with modern day software, you have been licensed to use this software. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. You can only use it as often as that license is valid. When that license is not valid, it can't be used. But it's a good, it's a good model to have when it comes to spiritual gifts. See, God has gifted us, given us divine empowerment to do certain things for a certain reason. But it's definitely not for us to use at will, as some people purport it is. Oh, I have the gift of healing. I'm going to be meeting today at 6 o'clock downtown. I wish it was like that. But it's not. We don't get to choose. It's not for us to use whatever way and however we want to do it. It belongs to Him. It belongs to the Holy Spirit. And He tells them, I will not have you to be ignorant about this. Now, apparently, the believers here in Corinth were very much gifted. They were doing a lot of things, but they weren't doing a lot of things well. And so this is the important thing that we have to pay attention to when it comes to spiritual gifts, is the inner workings of it. He says in verse 2, You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, even as you were led. I like the word dumb there. Although it's not in the context that, I w that we would like it to be in, dumb idols. It's really mute idols or idols that don't even speak. And he says, we know that you were Gentiles. You, you're, you weren't part of you know, God's society. You weren't in Judaism. You were Gentiles. You were pagans is what he's saying. And you, at one point in your life, were carried away. You were led, moved by either impulse or habit, by these idols that couldn't even speak. You were led by these things to do certain things that may have been very much ungodly and not even really beneficial. But he says, Therefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Now here's where we have to have a measure of spiritual balance. Before he even gets into the discussion on gifts, he first gives them the proper balance. Because it is important to have a proper balance when it comes to spiritual gifts. We can go and take things way too far and to the point in which we are becoming completely unbiblical. He says at one point, you were led by impulse to do certain things, but when you're in Christ, that's not the same way it's going to necessarily happen. You see, some were feeling like they were speaking by the Spirit, being moved by the Spirit, and, and yet they were diminishing the Lord with their antics and their actions and their behaviors. And they were justifying it, saying that this was, this was the Spirit of the Lord moving. And so the, the apostle here says there has to be a proper balance when it comes to gifts. You see, spirituality will never supersede spiritual authority. It will never do that. We like to be so spiritual. And so often we 
become so spiritual that we even we lose we lose the power that is associated with that spirit. We just want the form. We want to sound spiritual. We want to look spiritual. You know, you got the clothes on, the garments, and you got your hands folded together, and you're saying that these and a thousand brothers, we just, you know, you sound so spiritual. And, you know, he's saying, look, oftentimes we, we get spiritual, and next thing you know, it, it supersedes authority. It supersedes everything that is biblical. And there have been so many people that are doing things in the name of the Holy Spirit that are completely unbiblical. Things that some might even deem to be unnatural. I like to bring a little, bring it back to some Star Wars here. So sorry about that. But you know, Star Wars, you know, look, some of these movies are, are quite interesting because you look at certain things that they're doing in them. Like even in the, the movie Star Wars, it was, I can't remember which episode, but it was Anakin Skywalker said, he says, I want more, but I know it's not right. And he wants to take more. And he wants to do more and be more than what he was supposed to be. And, and, and he was upset with his, his mentor. And this is how we are sometimes. I think the movies, they provide uh, an interesting parallel uh, if we can see them. Not, all, not every movie, but some. Uh, but nevertheless, just to get back, you know, these guys were being very, very spiritual. And so some of the practices that they were doing were diminishing the Lord. Now, this is the thing that we have to pay attention to right here. We, we have to really judge and see the spirits that are speaking. It tells us in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out of the world. He says, don't just believe every person that says they're speaking by the Holy Spirit. There are many spirits in the world trying to deceive us. Many spirits in the world trying to convince us. They may not necessarily be of the Hagias Numa, the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Apostle is saying, that you, you think you're being led, but when you're diminishing the Lord, you're, that's not, uh, when, when the Lord is not the one being glorified, when the Lord is not being magnified through your gift, then there's a problem. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, he says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God does not hear us. And by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He said that the litmus test is whether or not the Lord Jesus Christ is being lifted up. If whether or not the Lord Jesus Christ, the way he's being lifted up, is it biblical? That's how we know if it's of the Holy Spirit. Because According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, no person speaking for the Spirit of God, being moved by the Spirit of God, will diminish the Lord 
of their spirit. No person. And so this, this needs a proper balance. And people in Corinth did not have this balance. And I think people today also don't have this balance. Not everybody. But I, I would reckon to say the majority of the body of Christ, it, it seems like truth is very, very slim. And that is how it's supposed to be. The Lord Jesus Christ said that the broad is the way that leads to destruction and many enter into it. The narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and there'll be few that find it. And so there's a lot of heresy, a lot of error, and a lot of unhealthy things happening. But we can always keep it healthy by remembering and coming back to whatever we are doing in the spirit, whatever we're doing spiritually, is it lifting up? Is it magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ? And if it is not, if there's even one ounce of one sliver of shade being cast upon him and, and the light being shined upon us, then we, we got to pull that back because it is not a proper balance. And we'll find ourselves blowing up. In fact, I like how John MacArthur said that we have to have a good balance when it comes to these things. Because if you have just the word, he said, that we will dry up. And that's so true. But if we have just the Holy Spirit and emphasis just on the spiritual things and the spiritual gifts and all these things, then we'll blow up. But if we have the proper balance of both, then we'll grow up. We need the word to keep us tethered. We need the Holy Spirit to move us. We need both to grow us. And so the apostle here says that you guys need spiritual balance. Okay, nobody that is speaking by the Spirit of God is going to call Jesus anathema or accursed. They're not going to speak negative about him and, and diminish him. And, well, you know, the Lord, I don't know. They're not going to do that. No man can even say that, that Jesus is the Kyrios or Lord unless they are moved by the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. It's the Spirit of God that enlightens us. John chapter 16. That's what the Lord Jesus said. In John 16, the Lord Jesus told us in verse 13, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive a mine and shall show it to you. And even if you back up into chapter 15, verse 27 of the book of John, he says, And you shall also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. He says, But when the Comforter, verse 26, when he has come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. So we see quickly and clearly that there is no individual personal person personal just the standing that's elevating themselves and that's all that people see if they're truly being moved by the spirit of god then they're only going to see jesus if they're truly moved by the spirit of god they're only going to be encouraged to magnify jesus not the gift but no that's not what we do as human beings we kind of we concentrate on the charisma and so we say, man, this person can speak well, and we need to elevate them, and we need to put them out in the forefront, and, and this is where things go wrong. And we start 
taking these things and thinking that we that it's because of us. We get prideful, we become haughty. We have to protect ourselves from this. Some godliness. And so he goes on and he speaks about spiritual differences in verse 4. He says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. I like how he's saying that there are a lot of differences without significance. See, the, the Corinthians, they thought that if they had certain giftings, they were more significant than other people. There were some that maybe could speak well, and so they thought that they were more significant than everybody else in the church. And there were some that spoke in unknown tongues, and they thought that they were, they were the bomb. Nobody else can attain to them. There are differences without significance. We have to remember that. There are distinctions, but everybody is essential and everybody is needed. Now, if you were to do a, a search in the scriptures because you would want to know how many gifts are there in the Bible, well, I believe that you would, you would settle on about 19 gifts of the Holy Spirit that are uh, expressly called out in the text. And those can be found in the book of Romans, chapter 12. They can be found here in 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. Uh, they can also be found in Ephesians, chapter 4, as well as 1 Peter, chapter 4. And you can write them all down and compare the lists, and you'll get about 19, 19 gifts. And these gifts can be classified into three categories. Now, these three categories are not found in the text, but if you were to list out the gifts, you could kind of bend them into these categories. Uh, you have speaking gifts. Those tend to be the most coveted. Why, why do you think that? Mainly because they're the most public. So, you know, we like to be seen, you know, the speaking gifts. And then you have the serving gifts. These are most beneficial. In fact, I think the majority of us Christians tend to have most of these gifts because these are what are needed for the body to grow and to propel forward. And then you have the signifying gifts. Now, these are the most misunderstood. And so many misunderstand them, and therefore sometimes they are often abused and used in ways that are unbiblical. But if they can be used in a biblical way, they can be used to build up one, a person individually, but can also be used to build up the body. And so uh, we have to think about these gifts and how they've been. And, and even here, he was saying that there are diversities of operations. I mean, I'm sorry, verse 4, that there are diversities of gifts. There are many different types of gifts. He says, but it's the same spirit. And he says there are differences of administrations which could be translated in office or a function. There are different functions on offices. I, I believe Ephesians chapter 4 speaks more to those functions or offices of the gifts. You know, namely that, that he is gifted and he gave the church apostles and he gave them uh, evangelists and prophets, pastors and teachers. Uh, remember, he said he gave them these things for the edifying of the body of Christ for the 
work of the ministry for the perfecting of the saints. This is why he gave them these offices and these functions, not so we could put MDiv behind our name, you know, and be known as doctor, reverend, pastor, elder, bishop, whatever, such as that. That wasn't the reason for that. He gave it so that the, the body of Christ could be equipped. This is the reason why there's a diversity of functions, because people need to be built up. And then he says here that there are diversities of operations. That is speaking of the effect. He says there is a diversity of, of there's differences of, of effects. Some people have different effects than others based on how God is gifted. And some people might have more of a gregarious nature and character. And this can be used very, very well in evangelism in connecting with people. But then you're going to need that person to be discipled. And so this is where you go and grab someone that is a good teacher. And they can come and bring them in and equip them and strengthen them. And then you need some that are visionaries that are going to be able to send them out. And you need some that have shepherding where they can watch over them, protect them. And you need some that can teach them how to be hospitable. And see, there's... there's different effects in all of it. And this is what the apostle is saying here, that there are spiritual differences. We're not all the same, but guess what is the same? It is the same Lord. It is the same Spirit. It is the same God working all in all. So you, you, because you have this certain type of gift doesn't mean you have some superior spirit. It's the same God that is working. He's just working however he wants to in a much different way. But a way to benefit the body. And so uh, we, we have to look at this this way because sometimes when we're together, we tend to want to be like each other. And then we tend to want to despise certain things. I don't want to mop. No reason. Like, man, I should be up there. I remember when I first became a Christian and I needed to serve. I, I didn't want to serve in the tape ministry. That was the recommended ministry for me. When my friend was leaving. He was being stationed in California. He was very much instrumental in my life uh, early on as a Christian. And now I was going to be by myself. And he went and spoke to the pastor of the church and said, hey, I need my, my guy. He needs to be serving. And he needs to be involved in the body so he can get connected with people. I was thinking maybe he can take my job over, which is the tape ministry. And all that was is sitting down and dubbing tapes at the end of the message and handing them out to people. It was nothing glamorous about that. And I remember they approached me and they said, hey, you know, Deshaun, I'm wondering if you can um, take over the tape ministry. We need somebody to watch. I was like, man, I don't want to do that. That's just the tapes. What about up there on the stage? I'd rather do that. See, that was the public stuff. You know, you're in the front, uh, the crowd and everybody. And I was like... You know, I can I can hold a little tune and stuff, you know, and, and and they're like, really, you can hold a tune? Let me let me let you talk to the worship leader, you know. I don't know how I found myself on the worship team, but I was on the worship team. This is real weird, but that wasn't me. That wasn't my natural my natural gifting. And uh, but I gravitated towards what was ostentatious and what was out in the open. That's what I wanted. 
And, um, and, and many times we find ourselves just like that. I, I even remember my friend John. I always joked with him because he was on the worship team too. And, and much, much later on, we would laugh because none of us, we, we had no business being on the worship team. And, and I would just always say, you were on the, I would just, I would, you know, I would rail on him so badly that he was on the worship team. And, but I had nothing really to say because he would say the same thing to me. But then I had the power because I was in the tape ministry I was in the audiovisual ministry, and so I said, I can put the tapes out, man. But you can't get my tapes, but I can get your tapes. And I can put them online for everybody to see. So I had the power there. But nevertheless, I digress. You know, this, it is important to understand our gifting. you got to understand how you're gifted. And I think you can, you can discover your gifting by, number one, just getting involved. Because there are different operations, there are different administrations, and there are different gifts. And you can't just sit back and twiddle your thumbs or just, you know, uh, be paralyzed by analysis and you're just sitting there saying, you know, man, I don't know where I am. Maybe I'm this. You just get involved. You say, look, what can I help serve with? What can I do? You get to church early. Say, look, what can I do to help? Because this is my reasonable service. And as you start serving, you'll start discovering more and more about how God is making you and creating you in this new person. And you'll discover your gifts according to the scriptures. Now Paul goes on to show them some spiritual preference. Because he starts off in verse 7 by saying the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And so we see, first of all, that the expression of the gifts is meant for the benefit, for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, gifts are tools to help build up, and they're tools to also help bring in. This is why we need to know how we are spiritually gifted. We need these tools. Because each person has a responsibility to build up somebody else in Christ. You have a responsibility in the body of Christ. You have to be doing something. I remember I was sitting in church and it hit me. It was probably about maybe after six months, eight months of really committing my heart to the Lord, life to the Lord. I started sitting and looking around and saying, man, I need to be doing something. I noticed all these people were doing something. Some people were putting out chairs. Some people were getting bathrooms together. Some people were helping out with the children. Some people were in the parking lot. They, and, and so I was, I was just sitting in a chair. And I said, man, I'm just sitting. I should do something. But of course, first thing is what's out in the open, what's public. You want to be in the front. But, but nevertheless, I had some sound people in my life that directed me towards, hey, why don't you grab a chair? Why don't you help with this? And that helped me to begin and learn to discover what this gift is. I'm going to tell you, as you are trying to discover your gift, as you're trying to discover how you can be a benefit to the body, remember this statement right here. I remember hearing this a while ago, that the best gifts are always on the lower shelves. The best gifts are not the ones on the higher shelves where you, where you got to step over people to get there. This is not like the world. We don't just step over people in Christ. You trying to jockey to go talk to the pastor so you can get this special position, so you get this special opportunity. The best gifts are found on the lower shelves. You want to serve? Go grab a, a broom. You want to serve? Go clean the bathroom. That's the best gift. 
Because it's not in the open. God gets all the glory. He knows what you're doing in secret. Those are the best gifts. Always on the lower shelves. I remember hearing a story about Greg Laurie. And we know Pastor Greg being a, an evangelist and doing these crusades and reaching thousands of people and having so many platforms to speak God's word. And, and I've been to Harvest Christian Fellowship. It's a great ministry was happening there in California. But I remember hearing the story that Pastor Greg, when he first started, they were talking about how well he could speak, how well he could connect with people. He seemed to be very gregarious. His voice was very much uh, smooth and people could receive it. And they went and they told the pastor, said, I think we could get this guy. We could use this guy. And, and the pastor said, well, okay, all right, well, have him talk to, you know, my assistant pastor at the time. And so Pastor Greg came and he spoke to the assistant pastor and he said, uh, first of all, the assistant pastor didn't show up on time. He wanted to see what kind of man he was. Was he just going to leave if nothing, if nothing was there? So he showed up two hours late. He's like, I was here, you told me to come at 6, I, but you didn't come here to 8. He's like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. He said, hey, I have a broom in the parking lot. Just go and sweep up the parking lot. He said, hey, I didn't come for to sweep. I came to speak. Said, well, if you can't sweep, you can't speak. The, the best gifts are always found on the lower shelves. We've got to remember that. And so he says that it's for the benefit of, is for the building up of the body of Christ. Tools to build up, tools to bring in. That is the purpose there of the giftings. It's not like a talent where you just grew up and you naturally are able to do certain things. Like I know a young man that is just naturally talented for sports. Any sport he puts his hand to, he just does it well. That's something God is has given him that has put in his DNA and he's able to do that. Some people are, are good, are extremely talented when it comes to music. They can hear it and play it. That's a talent. But a gift is something different. It's something that God gives us for the benefit of the body. Now he could utilize your gifts and your talents together. And sometimes your talent is connected to the gifting that he gives you. Sometimes, not all the time. I speak. I was always known to be a talker when I was younger. I got in trouble all the time at school. All the time. I remember getting kicked out of class one time because I was just always talking. Couldn't keep my mouth shut. But I was not naturally confident in front of groups. Very much shy. Very much reserved. But now, the gifting that God gives me, He takes that talkative and He allows me to be a mouth. And just talking all the time. Now i got to know when to do it and when not to do it. And then he gives me to stand in front and to know what I'm supposed to do. So he goes on and gives us a list here in verse 8 through 10. He says, To one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. Word of wisdom is a, is a supernatural, a spiritual ability to be able to tell somebody what they should do how to actually put this, this principle into practice. That is a gifting of the Spirit. Not everybody has that. He says a word of knowledge. That is speaking of a special revelation of something that has never been known before. Not speaking like he's giving you some scientific theory and you're like, boom. But I'm talking about something in someone's life. Hey, you know what? I don't know. 
if it's of the Lord, but I, I really think that this is happening in your life. How did you know? It's the Lord. It's been laying that on my heart. Here's what the scripture says. We need both. We need that spirit of knowledge. We also need that spirit of, of wisdom as well to be able to help the body. He says, it was by the same spirit. He says, to another faith by the same spirit. This is faith to be able to do great things. Some people have a greater faith than others, a greater measure of confidence and belief. This is similar to George Mueller, how he said he would never ask anybody for anything, but he's going to just trust God for everything. And that's what he did with that orphanage. So that was a gift of faith there. Some of us would do things that, that other people would never do, and other people do things that we would never do. We're like, man, I could never do that. Well, you haven't been gifted that way, but that person has. That doesn't mean that you're diminished. That just means there's a specific purpose for that person. He says to, an, to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Some have the gift of healing, and, and maybe God gives that for a certain purpose where they can actually maybe lay their hands on somebody and they can be healed. This is a gifting of the Lord. He says also to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discerning of spirits, having discernment as a gift. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. These are all gifts that are given. And these, I believe, are the gifts. The reason why that these are mentioned, I think these are the ones that the Corinthians had, that these were expressed in their church services. This is what was common among them. But yet, they were running all over each other. I think some people thought that they were more superior if they had certain gifts. I think some people were thinking that those gifts belonged to them. So we have to remember that these, again, it goes back to verse 1, they belong to the Spirit of God. And that's why he closes in 11 and says, But all these works, that one and very same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It's not us willing the gifting into action. You know what? I feel like I need to heal somebody right now. Let me just break out this healing gift. Why are you shaking like that? Oh, it's just what happens when my gift starts. To... That's not how it works. It doesn't work like that. It's by the Holy Spirit, and He gives that. So this tells us here, right here, that exact gifting, exact gifting and how He gives the gift, it is dependent on what the body needs for the exact mission. So whatever God is calling that body to do, He's going to equip that body with the necessary components to accomplish that mission. He's not just giving gifts just so we could just lavish it upon ourselves and talk about ourselves and how good we are and how strong we are and the special words we know. That's not why He's doing that. It's to build up the body. We have a mission. And our mission is to preach the gospel. Our mission is to reach souls. It's just to bring people into the kingdom of God, to snatch people out of the fire. That's our mission. And so we're gifted according to that. So he determines the exact need based on the exact mission of that body. But that doesn't mean we can't ask him. And many times I've asked God, please, God, could you just give me discernment? I just want the gift of discernment. I see somebody else and they have a 
they have a strong gifting that way. They can discern certain things and say, this would be bad if this person does. I want that. And so we, we shouldn't shy away from coveting the best gifts, the gifts that will have the best impact for the body. In fact, we'll read about that a little bit later. We should covet the best gifts. We should, but we should definitely sit down and, and try to discover what our gifting is. We need to know this. Now, he determines how this is happening, not us. And so we put our trust in the Spirit of God to give us the gifting. We pray, we ask, and we trust and maybe believe by faith that he's going to give that to us and use us that way. But we don't determine that. He determines it as he wills. Now, going back to my story that I started off with, the carpenter's tools held a conference. Well, it tells us that in the midst of all this discussion, in walked the carpenter, the carpenter of Nazareth, that is. He had arrived to start his day's work. Putting on his apron, he went to the bench to make a pulpit from which to proclaim the word of God. He employed hammer, screw, plane, rule, sandpaper, and all the other tools. After the day's work, when the pulpit was finished, Brother Saw arose and remarked, Brethren, I observe that all of us are workers together with the Lord. If we can understand our gifting, we can understand how we sync and how we integrate, how we're interdependent and how we're connected with one another to accomplish the work of the Lord. This is the sole purpose and reason why we need to grasp the gifts. We would like for you to stay in touch and up to date with us. Follow us on Twitter at cc underscore Valdosta and visit our website at ccvaldosta.weebly.com for additional information about Calvary Chapel Valdosta and an archive of previous sermons. You can reach us by phone at 301-395-3382. Calvary Chapel Valdosta is a fellowship of believers committed to the study of the Word of God and seeking the things that are Jesus Christ's. Let us now end in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is true. Your word is what we need. Your word has everything that we need for a godly life. And as it pertains to spiritual gifts, I pray that you might move upon hearts in this place with a great urgency and a desire to want to know how you have gifted them, to want to know how you are moving them and equipping them, and that they would have a great desire to want to use that gift in the body of Christ, in this body. So please, Lord, have your way with us. And, and Lord, I pray that you might even give us the desires of our hearts that maybe there are certain gifts that, that, we, that we would love to have to be able to be a benefit and that you could bless us with that as well. So we love you, Lord. This is what we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.